0: How do we do this? How do we recognize, old man, you you study the life of Jesus. You look at him. You look at how he responded to temptation, to sin, to betrayal. You look at Jesus, and if it's not in him, it's old. See, our flesh is sneaky. We want to justify. We're like, well, right? Your flesh is like, well, but I mean, hold on now. That was Jesus. If you do that, you're now living in the flesh. Well, but that was Jesus. I'm not Jesus but the Bible teaches that you've been born of him and that he's your head, you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. We can no longer say, well, that was Jesus and that that thinking has allowed us to remain in the flesh.
1: We have been preaching a gospel that is focused on man, Man sins, what man must do to be saved, what man must do to overcome his own weakness. They come looking for a God-centered gospel that brings freedom but they aren't finding it because it's centered on what they must do, and it's not working. So they leave. Leave the church, leave the faith, leave God. This whole time though, the solution is simple. Return to a gospel centered on Jesus. This alone will revive us from within and awake the sleeping giant that is the global church. What began as a simple gospel has turned into a brave movement. It's not starting. It's already begun. It's not about getting Christians back into the church. It's about reviving the church through a revelation of Jesus Christ. And what is the result? A company of burning hearts ready and willing to transform the world.
2: Hey y'all, welcome to the Braveheart podcast and welcome to this series that we're calling Walking in the Spirit. As Christians, we're not called to just live our lives aimlessly, but we're called to be transformed into the image of Jesus every day and to walk just as he did. And these next few weeks, we're gonna be sharing about walking in the spirit because we feel this is a theme and something that's important for us in 2024. So in this week's episode, Peter is sharing at Uproom Dallas about the simplicity and the power of walking in the Spirit. But before we hop into it, I want to let you know that in February, we're going to be starting a series going through the book, Now That You're Born Again. If you're not familiar with it, Now That You're Born Again is a book that Peter wrote that's about growing up in God and walking in the Spirit and maturing in Christ. We'll be going through it week by week on the podcast, and we also have a free study guide on our website that you can download to go through it with us. I want to encourage you to buy the book if you don't already have it and to go through it with some friends or family or community, because this is not just meant to be gone through by yourself, especially if you're going through the study guide. So the link to the study guide and to the book are in the description below. We really feel that this is an important theme and we would love for you to join us in it. Now, enjoy this episode all right
0: what i love about the upper room is by this point we've already had church so it takes a lot of the pressure off delivering the word amen um well let's hop right into the word um go to ephesians chapter four we're gonna pray um how many of you are here last week raise your hand just gonna see a show of hands okay just okay about half of you Awesome. Well, we're going we're gonna to recap. Uh, I, sh- I shared last week about the unified purpose of the fivefold leadership of the church, that we all have the same goal, and it's to mature into Christ-likeness. Um, and we talked about the possibility, the wonder, the amazement of that. And so um, for those of you who weren't here, I'm just going to read a few scriptures to start out. Um, and so I'm gonna, uh, we'll start in... Um, We'll start in John one, but I'm gonna pray for us as we start. So Father, we come to your word today as it is, um, which is your word. And we humble our hearts, Lord, before verses that we've read. Lord, we ask today, Holy Spirit, that you would breathe upon your words and that they they would sharply cut away our flesh and sin and darkness and demonic strongholds lord your word is alive it is sharp it is active and it divides between soul and spirit lord we thank you god for sanctification today we thank you that your word is like a hammer that shatters the rock Lord, that any stony, hard place in our hearts or in our minds, even in our bodies, any stubborn area of sin or or strongholds, we thank you that the word of God is like a hammer that shatters the rock. Lord, we thank you that your word is like fire that consumes. It consumes our bones. There, There is passion. There is life. Father, out of the overflow of your heart, you spoke this word to us, and we humble ourselves before it, Lord. Make us a people who rejoice at the hearing of your truth. May we not be numb or callous or hard to the truth today, God. May you make us a people who don't just worship when the drums are playing and when the, when the, melodies, song, when the melodies are going, Lord. But would we be people who worship at the hearing of your word? Would we be like, like, like Israel, God, when they, when they read the law, when they read the word, your words, they rejoiced and held parties, God, because it was such good news to them. Make us a people, Lord, who rejoice at the truth. We love you, we honor you, we thank you for great grace today. I bind every spirit of guilt, shame, and condemnation. God, I pray that we would hear the word with pure, innocent hearts, like little children longing for pure spiritual milk, that we may grow up and taste and see that the Lord is good. We honor you today, Lord, we honor your word. We give you our attention. We give you our undivided attention. We present our hearts, our minds, our eyes before you today, God. Block out every distraction, every wandering place in our heart and mind, Lord. Let let your word become life to us today. Living bread, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, John 1, uh, I'm just going to give you a few scriptures. um, The most, to me, one of the, the... The most amazing truth that I never get tired of is that God himself invites ordinary people like us to be like him, to be like Jesus. And I'm just convinced there's not enough of us that are more amazed at that. Um, This is the biggest sign and wonder of Christianity. No other religion promises to be like the one, to be like their God. Um, This is astounding. I know for many of us, that's a scary thought. We've been trained that that to be humble, we have to actually distance ourselves from god but that's not the that's not the god of the bible our god he put on flesh and he said follow me and he made a way for us to be born again and to be like him in fullness as he intended and why why did he want that because he wants a people of his same stature that he can be intimate with our god is a god of relationship and so if you can imagine, he's, he's looking at a people, and he doesn't want us to be spiritually stunted. He wants us to be as a corporate people, individually and together, just like his son. And Michael talked about it. We have one head, and we as the body are growing up and maturing into his likeness. So I'm going to read a few, a few verses that just kind of speak to that. And then the, today, I want to walk into the rest of Ephesians 4, which is going to teach us how to walk in the Spirit or how to walk like Christ. Can we do that? There's actually a three-step program. Amen. Don't you love three-step programs? I know you guys, well, what do I, just tell me what to do, Peter. I'm going to tell you what to do today, okay? Amen. You guys ready? Are you sure? All right. Look alive. Um, John 1, 12 to 13, to those who received him, who believed in his name. So to those who believe Jesus, who, who receive his name, he gave them the right. He gave those people the right to be born. Not of the will of flesh, not of the will of man, not of blood, but to be born of God. What's he saying? He's saying when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you now receive a right. Not not just the opportunity, but you have a right from Jesus to be born of God. And as Americans, we talk a lot about American rights and human rights and and, and all the rights of people, different rights. But I want to tell you, as born-again believers... In order for us to actually see transformation the kingdom of god come to earth in those areas where we need human rights. how many of you know we need humans rights reformation all that stuff but until we're not going to see that until we take on the right to be born of god oh come on well i have the right to bear arms okay that's great but you have the right to be born again the right to be born of god And so when you put on that right, when you take that right, now all of a sudden, all these other rights, they make sense. And and John's not just being poetic here. He's not saying, well, we're just, you know, you're now just a child of God. He's saying now you can call the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the creator, your father. Why? Because you've been born of him. This is astounding. Church, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, we need to humble ourselves to this truth when you hear this revelation that we can be born of God, it should do something inside of your heart. You, you, you should, your knees should begin to tremble at the thought of being born of God. And he makes a point to say, you, you now see so many of us associate where we come from based on our mom, our dad, born of the will of flesh. He's saying you're no longer the product of two people coming together. That's not, that's not your highest identity anymore. You're not, you're not just the product of the will of the flesh, two people coming together and being intimate, and then you were born. He goes, that's not your origin anymore. And so many people appeal to that. They go, well, you just know where I came from. We all now as Christians testify that we have been born of God. This is our confession. Okay, I'm with all seven of you, we're together. <laughs> okay, go to the next one. I'm just gonna read a few here, 1 John 2, 6. This is crazy. Whoever says he abides in Jesus ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Now, before we go, oh my gosh, that seems so hard. It's all by grace. So, and it's all through abiding. So when we abide in Jesus, what does it mean to abide? It literally means to stay where he puts you. Where did he put you? He put you in his son by the Holy Spirit so when you learn to abide in Jesus one of the ways you know you're actually abiding is your walk starts looking like Jesus this means as born-again believers we have permission to not just permission but we have a calling to study the life of Christ to begin to use his life as a mirror for our own and if we don't see it in the life of Jesus we should allow that to convict us and to call us higher This is like a cheat code to growing in the Lord and growing in the Christian faith. As you look at him, and if you can't see a behavior or a motive or a thought that's in him, but it's in you, you have permission to put it away. And we'll get to that in a minute. First John 3, 9, this is crazy. No one born of God. Do you see the phrase again? I'm going to show you that maybe we've undervalued what it means to be born of God. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed, his word, his Holy Spirit abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning, why? Because he's been born of God. Church, listen, the the expectation for a born again believer who's matured into Christ-likeness is that you couldn't sin if you wanted to. just going to let it sail off for a minute. I, I, you guys are looking at me and getting angry at me. Don't get angry at me. If you're going to get angry, get angry at 1 John 3, 9. No one born of God. Look, let's read it together again. Let's read it out. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning for God's seed, his Holy Spirit, his word abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. that's awesome I like that promise this tells me when I first read that I got freaked out I'm like oh my gosh I don't know that I'm born of God (laughs) do you know why I thought that because no one ever taught me that being born of God was such a big deal no one ever taught me that I thought born again was just a phrase that we use that meant that I was going to heaven after I died until I realized that God was actually trying to tell me that I had actually been born of him and that I had permission to renew my mind to that truth and start walking like a son of God. Okie dokie, John 14:12. <laughs> John 14:12. this just gets worse. This is Jesus, red letters, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. First John 3, 8, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. What works was he doing? He was healing the sick, raising the dead, preaching to towns. They were all repenting. He was bringing the kingdom of his Father to earth. These are the works that he's saying. Whoever believes in me will do these works. Now, I love the uniqueness of everyone's vocation in this room. I love that we have pastors and teachers and we have lawyers and we have entertainers and musicians and we have mothers and fathers and we have accountants and we have, you know, all kinds of people in this room and in the body of Christ that, that have tasks and work on the earth. But I want to tell you as a born again believer, there is works that transcend all of those other works. And it's the works of Jesus. You know, I love the seven mountain teaching because now we have Christians going into entertainment culture and going into into politics and going into all these things. But I want to speak to you if God has called you into the marketplace or into the entertainment mountain or in a political mountain or the church mountain, wherever you go, you are called when you get on top of that mountain, you are called first and foremost to have been transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus. So that everyone, when they see you on top of your mountain that God called you to, they're seeing Christ formed in you. Yes. And then when you get on top of that mountain and you're like, man, I've conquered the mountain. He wants you to open your mouth, preach the gospel, see people born again, see people delivered, set free. This is for all. Why? Because we've been born of God. Hey. Yes. Amen. Yes. All right. Here's how we get there. Ephesians 4, 17 to 24, this is, um, I, I confessed this to Christy and she was like, wow, I didn't know that. This is maybe my, one of my favorite seven verses in the New Testament. Um, I love this text because it is so explicit. I'm a real, if you guys haven't figured this out already, I'm a real practical guy. Like I don't like it when spiritual things become so spiritual that we, we all pretend like we know what they mean, but we don't come on, there's a temptation in environments like this around spiritual people where we just have to pretend, you know, and we're like, well, man, I remember people that look to Jesus and I'm like, I don't know how, where is he? Show me where he is. Come on. I'm, I'm the only one. That's fine. That's fine. Okay, here we go. Well, we're going to get practical today. Ephesians four seventeen. This is Paul writing to Um, Christians in Ephesus and he says this now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds Gentiles for us in 2023 don't walk like the world walks don't stop walking how the world walks okay okay Why do they walk that way? Because they're futile in their minds. So your walk is connected to how you think. This is huge. Some of you are trying to change your behavior without changing the way you think and you're frustrated. Your behavior, your walk will change when your mind changes. So you need, okay, here we go. Verse 18, they are darkened in their understanding. So the Gentiles, the world is darkened. They don't actually understand. They're alienated from the life of God. Why? Because of the ignorance that is in them. Due to their hardness of heart. The world's heart is hard to God because they're ignorant and they're darkened in their understanding. They don't understand Jesus. They don't know the gospel. No, no. Do you see this? The, the reason why the world is hardened and darkened and calloused and they're in their sensual and they live for themselves is because they don't understand the gospel and he's speaking to Christians and he's saying, guys, I need to speak to you and tell you, you guys need to stop walking like the world. You need to be honest with where you're still walking like Gentiles connected. Why? To the futility of thinking. Look, they have become, verse 19, callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Verse 20, this is where it starts getting good. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming, look at this, this is a big assumption. You know that phrase, Paul, you know, Paul, we don't assume. We know what happens when you assume. He says, I'm assuming that you have heard about him, Jesus, and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. And so Paul is about to reveal, this is, this is why this text is so important to me. I believe Paul in these next couple verses is revealing to us what he taught the church of how to not live like the Gentiles, how to no longer live like the world and how to live like a Christian. I believe these three steps are how we walk in the spirit. Galatians 5 If you walk in the Spirit you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And so step number 1 in walking in the Spirit is believing that it's actually possible to do so. Come on. Let's let's be honest. Many of us think that if we finally use our strength and overcome our flesh then we'll be walking in the Spirit. It's like a mature like oh we've matured to walking in the Spirit. That's not biblical. Biblical is that, is that we actually get invited when we're brand new baby Christians to walk in the spirit, and it's how we grow. It's how we deal with our flesh. I'm going to say it again. Walking in the spirit is how you deal with your flesh. So if you're dealing with your flesh and you don't know how to walk in the spirit, I promise you you're frustrated. I promise you you struggle with condemnation and feelings of never doing enough spiritual things. If that's you, you don't know how to walk in the spirit. Walking in the spirit is not a chore, it's not a burden, it's not a heavy lift, it's wonderful. It's good news. It's simple. It's simple for us because of the magnitude and the majesty and the massive work that Jesus did on our behalf. He did the heavy lifting and now we can walk in the spirit freely. Why? Because we're following the one who is spirit, Jesus and we've become one with him all right this is where it gets awesome number one this is the three-step verse 22 to put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires that's step number one to walking in the spirit is to put off your old self step number two to be renewed in the spirit of your minds step number three to put on the new self created after the likeness of god in true righteousness and holiness this is how we walk in the spirit and i want to just tell you we're going to unpack those three today how do we put off our old man how are we renewed in the spirit of our minds and how do we actually put on the new man can we do that all right number one to put off the old man you have to first recognize your old man be honest be honest with, with the thoughts that you have about yourself that are connected to sin, to selfishness, living for yourself. You just have to be honest. And you say, Holy Spirit, search me. Come on, search me and see if there's any offensive way in me. See if there's any part of my life, any thinking, any habits, any, any anywhere in my life that is connected to the sin that I inherited through Adam. This is connected to stuff that you have for, you know, I hear people that say, well, this runs in my family. Well, you know, osteoporosis runs in my family. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> That's your old man. Old man Old man was susceptible to osteoporosis. Can you imagine Jesus being susceptible to osteoporosis? Jesus Christ, the living, no, I'm serious. The one who died and rose again to newness. Can you imagine him being like, oh, my bones. <laughs> He already owe my bones and he came out of the grave having dealt with the bones. So you have to, how do we do this? How do you recognize your old man? You look at Jesus and if it's not in him, it's old. How do we do this? How do we recognize old man? You you study the life of Jesus. You look at him. You look at how he responded to temptation, to sin, to betrayal. You 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 look at him. I remember I remember when I read the John 13 that Larissa was was preaching about, and I and I'm there. I remember I was struggling with stuff with relationships. This was years ago, and I was feeling betrayed in my relationships. And I remember, I remember like having this revelation in my heart that I wanted to be like the Lord, but I had felt a measure of betrayal, and I was now. I didn't know what to do with it because I felt justified in being angry and being, and being withholding, Are anyone with me? And I remember reading John 13 and I'm looking at Jesus, I'm looking at Jesus at the Last Supper and I, and I watch him in John 13, I literally watch him, I'm having this tension, this conflict, and I watch him get down on his feet and he's washing his betrayer's feet. And all of a sudden I realized if I want to be like the Lord, then I have to, that has to be my posture towards betrayal. I don't have a choice. Our, see, our flesh is sneaky. We want to justify. We're like, well, right? Your flesh is like, well, but I mean, hold on now. That was Jesus. If you do that, you're now living in the flesh. Well, but that was Jesus. I'm not Jesus but the Bible teaches that you've been born of him and that he's your head, you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. We can no longer say, well, that was Jesus and that, that thinking has allowed us to remain in the flesh. And we need to repent and repent quickly. You guys okay? So we recognize, so practically, practically the Holy Spirit, he's wonderful. Whenever he reveals your old man, he's not doing so shaming you. I want to say this. If it's not the father, if you see old man in you, if you see some sort of sin habit or jealousy or a false motive, and you see it and Holy Spirit reveals it, he's not going shame on you. He's looking at you and he goes, hey, I got something better for you. Hey, hey, you see, how, you see how uptight you're getting because you got betrayed? There's a place of freedom. Like Michael said, there's always a better word. There's always an invitation from the Spirit to be free. There's three, I think there's three attitudes, three mindsets that I want us to, I just want to bring to your attention. Again, we're going we're gonna to go through all of these. Um, that, that I want us to be aware of in ourselves, that this is connected to the old man. Number one is self-preservation. It's very common. Self-preservation. What is self-preservation? Self-preservation belongs to the old man. That it's, that, it's that part of you that when you, have, when, when you made a mistake, you did something wrong, you don't fully take ownership for it. You, you, you always try to present your best parts to people. That's self-preservation. You hide your ugly parts, you hide your nasty parts and you only ever present your good parts. That is self-preservation. This came all the way from the garden. Hey, Adam, what have you done? Uh, This woman you gave me, (laughs) come on, man, take ownership. This woman you gave me, she's the one. Immediately, they start covering themselves, covering their nakedness. This is self-preservation. It's everywhere. And I want to prophesy to you today. Hear me, I'm prophesying to you. You were not made to self-preserve. We sang it. I, I saw you guys singing it with the ugly cry face today. Lord, lead me to your cross. Help me to deny myself. You're crying. Yes, Lord. It's such a beautiful melody. Do you hear what you're praying you're like, I'm not going to self-preserve anymore. I'm going to show up fully in my relationships. The good, the bad, the ugly, here I am. Why? How can you do that? Because you know that your father sees all of it in you. He loves you the same. He's never going to leave or forsake you. And so now in your relationships, in wherever you are, you can just be in the light. Self-gratification. Self-gratification. Your old man loves comfort and loves pleasure, hear me, at the expense of other people. God is awesome. He's a God of delights. He's a God of like the feast. I believe it. Like this isn't saying, this isn't asceticism. This isn't, hey, don't have any nice things. Don't enjoy the life that God's given you. It's saying self-gratification is I'm going to gratify myself at the expense of you. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit interpret that for each of you. Where in your life are you, are you, do you feel compelled to, to gratify yourself at the expense of other people? The most grotesque, obvious adva- example of this would be pornography. Right? Right? I've confessed it. year, this was a years of my life I struggled with pornography until God delivered me. What was I doing? I was gratifying myself at the expense of others. That's literally what that is. It's, 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 the, it's the exposure and the sin of others. Now I'm gratifying myself and I'm feasting on brokenness. Those who are revealing themselves in pornography, they're broken, they're, they're, they're shattered people enslaved to sin, blind to what they're doing. And to engage in that is to feast on their brokenness. And God says, oh, I have rivers of delight for you. I have I have pleasures that you know not of. But I need to, I need my Holy Spirit to shave away that callousness in your heart. I need my, I need the Holy Spirit to come and to and to soften those places in your heart, so that you can actually have a palate and a taste for my pleasures and my delight. The last one about self is self glorification. Self glorification. Adam wants to be worshiped. There's a part of you, a part of your old man that wants to receive glory for yourself. Stop trying to pretend, stop trying to hide it. Just acknowledge it and and let's be done with it. Come on, you were never made for glory. One of those things, I'm gonna confess to you, one of those things I never understood is when we sang in this house, this may be a wild confession. Lord, we give you all the glory. I didn't know what I was singing. I'm like I thought you had all the glory. I thought you were the glorious one. Lord, we give you all the glory, all the glory. I'm like I don't know what I'm singing to you. And finally I realized I said, "Lord, what am I sing- what am I giving you?" And he said, he said, "Let me let me help you." He said, "Son, every time anyone's ever said something good about you, any praise that you've received, oh, what a great sermon that was. Oh, you're such a good husband." He says, "That's a little small measure of glory that you're getting because of me." And so when you give me glory, you're saying everything, no matter what, every good in my life, I've, God God has blessed me and my wife. We are, we are rich. We are blessed in relationships and kids and life, and we have been blessed. So that's glory. That's a glory. Like when you look at me, there's glory. You see my five kids around me, that's my glory. You see my bright, shining wife, that's my glory. But that doesn't belong to me. That's not mine, I, I'm surrounded in glory, why? Because of Jesus. Jesus gave me that glory. And so when I when I sing, I give you the glory, I'm going, I was never made to carry that. And, it's, and I love that song now. Can we sing that song at some point? I love it, because now I'm like, yes, it all belongs to you. And there's something that happens to my soul when I give him the glory. I didn't actually know I had something to give him before. So when you give him the glory, you're saying, God, I don't want to do anything where people praise my name. I'm not talking about not being excellent and doing your craft and 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 like do your life with excellence, work hard. And like that honors God. But don't do things, don't do things just so that people know your name. What do you? You're like, what do I do if I have all of that? You need to put it off. And this this is revelatory for the church how we deal with brokenness as believers because of Jesus, because of the Holy Spirit, and because of grace, you and I now have permission that if you recognize any of these things in your life, anything that's not in Jesus, depression, anxiety, fear, lust, selfishness, if you recognize any of it, biblically now, there is one way to deal with it. It's to put it off. Put it off. Whoa, 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 whoa. Your your flesh hates this. I'm going to speak right now. Your flesh cannot tolerate the thought that you could just put off this brokenness because let me tell you something. Your flesh can actually make an idol of trying to overcome its own weakness and deficiency. We can make an idol of our brokenness and we can worship our brokenness. Why? Because now all of a sudden I can receive attention and ministry and, and, and affection through my brokenness. I'm receiving now attention through my brokenness. And I like that. My old man likes that. Your f- Let me tell you something. Your flesh is obsessed with figuring out why you are the way you are. Whoa, 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 but why do you, but but why, where does it, um, let me tell you, there's three letters. It's called sin. You inherited it in Adam. It's why you're jacked up. (laughs) It's why the people, it's why, it's why what the people did to you was wrong. It's why the abuse was wrong. It's sin. We can just, it's sin. this puts us all on the same page. It's sin. It's the reason there's sickness and disease in the earth is because of sin. It's why there's abuse because of sin. It's why there's divorce because of sin. It's why there's racism because of sin. But everyone's trying to, the the flesh wants to, to give commentary on sin, but the Bible gives commentary. It's called Jesus Christ, the crucified son of God, That's the commentary on sin once and for all, never to die again. He has dealt with sin once and for all. He's not still dealing with sin. He dealt with sin. And so now we listen, I want us to complete our worship upper room. I feel tension in my heart. We are known as a worshiping community around the globe. People know us as people who worship God, but I am afraid that if they only know us and interpret worship as songs that move their heart. It's not a complete worship. See, see, worship completed is going, you know what? When I put off my old man, and I'm willing to put it away, in that simplicity, what am I doing? I'm completing my worship. What I'm saying is, Jesus, I honor your sacrifice. I honor the, the beauty of what you did. I'm gonna stop wrestling with my old man. I'm gonna stop trying to figure it all out. I'm gonna stop trying to find the root of it, and I'm going to put it in the grave where it belongs. I'm gonna allow the Holy Spirit to renew my mind and actually begin to believe that I am dead to that. Romans 6, 11, so you also must consider, do the math that you are dead to sin and alive to God. Consider yourself dead to sin. So many of us, we're used to considering ourselves alive to sin, how? By trying to figure it all out. You are not that smart. You're just not that smart, you're not that anointed, none of us are, thank God. Can you imagine if we could figure it out and get over sin by ourselves? We're saying, God, I don't need you. Or we may just use a token. You know, we, we sprinkle the blood on it like it's some bull or goat. It's not it's not that way. I'm not trying to be harsh, but I do feel I do feel zealous. I feel a zeal in my heart that we can no longer limp in between like, well, it's this. No, no, we need to put this man off and we need to be unified as a people of how we deal with sin. It matters that we're unified. It matters that there's not 10 ways to freedom. It matters. It matters that there's one way to walk in the Spirit. You put off the old man, number one. You get it? All right. So, what happens when you recognize your old man? Number one, I want to tell you just confess it to God. You're like, okay, what do I do? Just confess it. God, I don't want that anymore. That's a powerful prayer. When the Holy Spirit illuminates the old man, you say, Oh, I don't want that. That's not me. I put that away. Oh, selfishness, ooh, jealousy, ooh. Ooh. Triggered all the time? Ooh. <laughs> triggered all the time? What? Can you imagine Jesus being triggered? <laughs> well, I just can't. <laughs> you laugh. You laugh seeing that in Jesus. We should laugh seeing that in us. We're like, oh, 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 oh. oh wow. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, we can be happy and free. Yeah. All right. So you can you confess it. God, I don't want that anymore. Number two, if you recognize your old man and you're aware that your old man has hurt somebody, acknowledge it to them. Hey, you know what? You go to your relationship. Holy Spirit revealed. I've been so selfish in my relationship. I just want to confess it to you and go, you know what? I'm sorry. I want to tell you that's not who I am anymore. I'm, I'm putting that off. And if I do it again, just know that I'm walking this out with God and I'm not going to live under that anymore. But like I am, I'm realizing this is no longer who I am. I'm actually going to walk like Jesus. Some of some of you, you're like, I can't say that you need to learn to say that this is how you, this is how you walk like him. You confess it, acknowledge your sin, both to God and to one another. Amen. You're safe to do that. Number two. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. This is going to be so practical, it's going to be painful. See, our flesh doesn't like simple. Our flesh wants to complicate it. God's like, hey, it's so easy. You want to walk like me? Put off your old man, change the way you think, and start walking like me. Put on the new man. And it'll make it harder. It's not harder. It's not harder because of everything that he did. Do you see that? The simplicity that comes to us is the complexity that he accomplished for us. I'm obsessed with the complexity and the majesty of Jesus's salvation. I'm obsessed with it. And sometimes I get up here and all I wanna do is talk about the complexity and the nuance and the, and the beauty and the intricacy of every little detail of his salvation. This is what's wrong with me. I, I have given my life to studying the nuance of the way Jesus has saved humanity. And so like I am, I am astounded at how particular, how, how almost scientific God was in dealing with sin and brokenness in humanity. He wasn't haphazard. He wasn't like, well, just we'll figure it out. He was so detailed with all of our brokenness. With everything that's ever happened to us, he was detailed in, in taking it on. And because of that now, Because of that now, we have permission to live a very simple life of walking in the spirit. But we must renew our minds to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And so I'm going to give you four things to renew your mind. You ready? Number one, you need to read the word of God. I know this sounds so basic. (laughs) You'd be amazed if you're like, "I I I I need to think differently. Open this. And read it specifically to understand and know and experience Jesus Christ. The early church called this book the book of experiences. Did you know that? They expected the God who wrote it to encounter them as they read it. So when I read, when I read that Moses parts the Red Sea in, in, in Israel goes through. And I read that today in 2023. I'm not studying something that happened 4,000 years ago. I'm now realizing, man, if there is ever a, a proverbial, you know, enemy challenging me and an obstacle in front of me, my God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he can part seas and he can do it for me. Why? Because I'm in covenant with him. So your mind gets renewed and it all comes to life. Jesus is in every page of this book. So you read this to see him, to know him, to experience him. Now, how do you go from a Bible study to a Bible encounter? Can I help you? When you see Jesus, when the Holy Spirit reveals an aspect of Jesus to you through his word, begin to worship and adore him. What, What do you mean? It means if you're reading your Bible and you're not stopping to take a praise break and to worship him, you're leaving a lot of meat on the bone. When you get that revelation, how many of you know, when you, how many of you are like, addic- I'm addicted to that. When you're reading and it's just quiet and simple and in Holy Spirit, he's like there with you and he just peels back this aspect and you're like, oh. you know what I'm talking about? And your jaw drops and you're like, oh. and there's someone in the other room and you go, wow. And there's no music and they're like, what are you wowing? I'm like, wow that wow was intended was intended to draw you into his heart to get on your knees and go jesus i adore you wow and to spend time in that moment why because the holy spirit is beckoning you to himself you see so you're reading and then he reveals and he doesn't just reveal to make you smart or to give you something that you can tweet oh I used to do this, man, the father is so patient. I would get revelation, it would go right on Facebook. (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't worship. I would go right on Facebook. You know why? Because I liked the likes and the comments. As a little little man in the faith, (laughs) a little man in the faith, I was a little man in the faith and I went straight to Facebook. I actually, one popped up on my feed the other day and I was like, wow, that's really good (laughs) from 2017. It nourished me. (laughs) Oh, so, so instead of going straight to X, I think they call it X now, is that right? Or Facebook, you stop and you worship. Lord, wow. I didn't know you were this patient, this humble that you could wash Judas' feet. That's amazing to me. What happens when you pause and do that? You get like, you go from, from pixelated view of Jesus to HD, to touching it. Why? Why does that matter? Because until you touch it, you can't walk it. Unless you, first John, he says, this is the word of life. We have touched him. We have handled him. We have, we have, we have touched the word of life. This is how these old guys, I'm just giving you the old guys that used to read the early church. They would touch the scriptures when they would read them. When they would read the scripture, they would touch like this. They would touch it why? Because there's something about touching Jesus. How do you touch him? You worship, you adore him. You guys with me? First, when you read the word of God, you got to open it. You read it. You're amazed at it. Holy Spirit will speak to you, reveal Jesus. Second, you worship and adore him. Third, you pray the word of God. So when you touch it, now is the time. I want to I want to say something to you. I by nature in my in my whatever, <laughs> I I'm just a thinker so I like to think I like to ponder I like to meditate and for years of my Christian life I was missing out on so much of the grace of God do you know why because I didn't open my mouth and confess it I just kept all of my beliefs locked up in my heart stuff I would believe I would say amen in a service like this and then I would leave and I wouldn't say anything Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday Friday I I just I would just keep it in my heart until I learned that God actually was really pleased when I would go into secret and I would say, Father, thank you that I am dead to and I would list my old man, and I'm alive to you in my thoughts, and I'm alive, and I would begin to confess the things that I believe. And then I realized it was biblical, Romans 10. He says, you believe in your heart unto righteousness, but you confess it unto salvation. So something happens when you believe there's righteousness, but salvation happens when you confess it. In the beginning, God didn't think let there be light. He said let there be light. If God, see, God was thinking let there be light for a long time and nothing happened. He's like, oh, I'm going to, there's going to, mm-hmm. But as soon as he said it, let there be light. The same, you're created in the image of God. So when you confess what you know to be true, Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the one who washes your betrayer's feet. You are so patient. You are so humble. And I thank you. I've been born of you and I can walk just like you. God likes it when you talk that way. I remember the first time I began praying that way, I felt the Holy Spirit come like a, he just came over me and my knees started to shake and I was like, wow, you like this. He's like, I like that. You actually believe me. And I was like, yeah, I think I do. But that happened when I confessed it. Are you with me? Pray the word of God, not just over yourself, but over your spouse, over your kids, over the people you work with. Pray the word of God over them. Lord, I thank you. If someone sins against you that you love, listen, this is awesome. This is 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore, we consider anyone who's in Christ a new creation. Behold, the old is gone, the new has come. You get to pray and believe that the person sinning against you is no longer the sin that they commit against you. Can you imagine how destroyed the devil would be in our midst if we actually did this. We became priests to one another. Oh, Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you that this is not who they are. They are. I will not be confused or deceived by them walking in the flesh. I will know who you are in the spirit. God, I bless them in the name of Jesus. God, they've forgotten just for a little moment that they're your beloved. This is how, imagine praying that. Instead of getting offended, imagine being so strong in your faith that you could pray that over one another instead of being triggered. You could see clearly and go, wow, you know what? The reason they're acting in their flesh is they just forgot for a moment. And so I'm gonna speak the truth and love to them maybe, but I'm also gonna pray in secret the word of God over them. This last one, is, I, I, just hear me with grace, oh my gosh, it's noon. <laughs> we're just in it, we're gonna end. The last one's really important, be mindful of what you watch and what you listen to. If you wanna have a renewed mind, your eye and your ears are like gateways to your spirit. So if you're just, you know, if you're indiscriminate with what you watch and what you listen to, you'll find it hard to be spiritually awake spiritually alive i'm not talking about getting super fearful god doesn't make us fearful he makes us sensitive and we're aware we're we're, there's there's a prick of the holy spirit that goes hey this is gonna make it harder for you to walk in the spirit when we get addicted to walking in the spirit you won't want the things of the flesh you will become you will become very like protective over what you watch and listen to what you consume with your mouth why because you actually like walking in the spirit you like being a christian who goes man i couldn't sin if i tried that's a nice feeling the last thing is is we have to put on the new man you have to actually be willing to walk like jesus you have to will you have to be willing To put him on. What does this mean? It means that the nature of Jesus is available to each and every one of us. How? By the Holy Spirit, by grace through faith. So if you see something in Jesus's closet of his character, think of it like a garment. If we're going to put it on, then think of Jesus's character and nature like a bunch of really nice threads. And you're like, wow, I like that red jacket. That's cool. Imagine you see it in him. You see it in his wardrobe. And he says, Hey, you're allowed to put this on and wear it like it's your own. Jesus, you're so humble. You're so meek. You're so patient. You're so forgiving. You don't need to ask God, Lord, make me more patient. Just go take it from him and put it on. The reason why it feels like God's not answering our prayers is because he's already given us access to the closet. He's saying, no, you put it on because you were created after the likeness of Jesus in true righteousness and holiness. So you're praying for something I've already given you. Oh, Lord, I need more patience. No, no, no. Go put the garment of patience on and manifest it in your relationships. Amen. All right. Are you guys ready to cross over and walk in the spirit? Can we just put this today? Stand to your feet. I'm sorry, we're going to have a ministry team come up, uh, but I just want to pray for you. Yeah y'all can come on up. I pray that your heart is burning. I pray that you're excited. I pray that you are, um, you are filled with faith, amen. Look at me. Are you filled with faith? There is no guilt and shame. I bind that thing. If you're feeling like, oh my gosh, I can't believe, that is not from the Father. Today is a day of great joy, of great gladness, of great expectation. Come on. Amen? So I want to just pray. If you're willing, if you're willing to walk in the Spirit and go, Lord, I see these three steps biblically and I'm willing to commit and devote myself to them, I want you to just pray with me, okay? I'm gonna pray for you. We're gonna cross over today. This is a work of the Spirit, and all He needs from us is a simple, humble yes. Father, we're aware that You stacked this thing in our favor. We thank You for the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness. And we as a house of upper room, Lord, we tell you that we're not gonna just worship you with our songs, we're gonna worship you with our lives. We say yes to your invitation this morning. Holy Spirit, we hear you. We hear you inviting us to consider ourselves dead to our old man, dead to our sin, And to think differently about ourselves. And we say yes to walking in that new man. We say yes. If that's you, just say yes. And I feel like even now, Holy Spirit's revealing a part of your life that he wants you to put away. It's just a specific area. As I've been preaching and teaching, the Holy Spirit's been knocking on your heart. And he says, hey, that that one's for you. just get real with that whatever that thing is whatever part of that old man that the Holy Spirit highlighted this morning and when you see it you just confess Lord I don't want that anymore that's not who I am don't just believe it say it And then tell him, Lord, I'm willing to think about myself differently. I'm willing to no longer make an idol of my own brokenness. I want to walk like you. And in exchange for that place of of oldness, of that old man, I want you to see the opposite in Jesus. If it was anger, you can see in him humility and love. If it's impatience, you can see in him patience. And I want you to picture it like a garment in his closet. And by the Spirit, just by faith, I want you to go into that closet, and I want you to take the very nature of Jesus, and I want you to put it on today. You're going to walk out of this room having put on, by faith, Jesus, because his word beckons
2: us and pleads with us to do so. If you haven't already, I want to encourage you to subscribe to the Braveheart podcast so you can stay up to date with all of the latest episodes. We'll see you next week, but until then, we love you. Be brave.